the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And news. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Not too long ago, I read about a minister who informed his congregation that the following Sunday he planned to preach on the sin of lying. And therefore, he said, in order to help, help them to understand the sermon, he requested that they would all go home and read Mark chapter 17. Well, the following Sunday, as he prepared to deliver his message, the minister asked by a show of hands who had read Mark 17. And interestingly enough, every hand went up. And to that, he just smiled and said, Mark has only 16 chapters, and we will now proceed with the sermon on the sin of lying. Of all my childhood misdeeds, and believe me, there were plenty of them, the one that I'll never forget was the time when I was in about first grade and I broke a window. When my mom asked me about it, I lied and told her I saw her friend do it when she left the house. I said her friend looked like she was angry about something. Now, mom spanked me every day, sometimes more than once. But that time she just walked away sobbing. No one has to teach us to lie. Lying is what we naturally do to avoid punishment to gain rewards, or sometimes just to entertain ourselves. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. I'm Peter Silseth, and our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, is about to begin another lesson from the Ten Commandments, this time the Ninth Commandment. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. I think that when I bore false witness against my mother's friend, that was the most rotten thing I ever did. I sometimes ponder it, even today, not for punishment, but as a caution to make sure that I never do anything like that again. But you see, the commandment forbidding us to bear false witness against our neighbors covers much more than a specific prohibition against perjury. If you can follow in your Bible, I encourage you to do so. Let's join Pastor Steve and see what we can learn from Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. All of us need to hear a sermon on the sin of lying, whether or not you would ever publicly claim to have read Mark 17, because all of us, the Bible says, are by nature liars. We are all by nature liars. The Apostle Paul characterized all humanity as liars. When he declared in Romans chapter 3, he said, there is none righteous, not even one. And then he said, their throat is an open grave, with their tongues they keep deceiving. In other words, like a grave that houses a rotten, decaying body, so the Bible says our words are foul and they're polluted and they are wicked by their deceitfulness. And I realize that some here today might not think of themselves as liars. Some here might not think that they have done anything to lie. And yet the Bible says that lying is not just outright maliciousness. Lying involves empty flattery, it involves exaggeration, it involves deceitfulness. 
All of that comes under the category of lying. But if you're not convinced already that you are a liar, I hope by the end of the message you will be because our study this morning takes us to the ninth of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 16. Let me read it to you. This is the ninth commandment. It addresses, at least in some respects, the sin of lying, though as we'll see this morning, it is far beyond that. It is, it is only one aspect of it. But Exodus 20, verse 16 says this, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, it's important to keep in mind that one of the purposes of the Ten Commandments is to teach believers how to love God and how to love people. We've said this before. That's one of the purposes, not the only one. That's why when Jesus in the New Testament was, was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all the, the over 600 commandments in the Bible? What's the greatest? He said the most important commandment, because it sums up everything else, is to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. He went on to say the second most important commandment, nobody asked him this, but he went on to say, was to love your neighbor as yourself. And that is precisely what we see in the unfolding of the Ten Commandments. That is the very fiber, the very makeup of the Ten Commandments. We have discovered that the first four commandments reveal how to demonstrate our love for God. That's what they're about. That's the summation of it. We love God by having no idols or anything that would rival him in our lives. That's how we demonstrate love for God. We demonstrate love for God by worshiping him properly without any graven images. We demonstrate love for God by not taking his name in vain, which means in a loose manner. We show our love for God by observing the Sabbath principle of resting one day a week. But starting with the fifth commandment, the emphasis changes we're told now how to specifically express our love for others. That if we, if we, for example, love our parents, then we honor them. Then we reverence and respect them. If we love others, we don't murder them. If we love others, we don't commit adultery. If we love others, we don't steal from, from them. We're going to discover in the ninth commandment that if we really love others, then we will not bear false witness against them. Now, the question is, what does the Bible mean by bearing false witness against a neighbor? Well, this ninth commandment is is actually a prohibition against perjury. Perjury is lying while under oath. That's what perjury is. This commandment then specifically forbids us from giving a false testimony in a court of law against anyone. And, And neighbor here does not mean somebody who lives in your neighborhood. It means anybody who crosses your path. Jesus defined that in the parable with the Good Samaritan, who our neighbor uh, really is. Now, it's important to keep in mind, in its context, how significant this law was to the nation of Israel. See, unlike our legal system, in ancient Israel, courtroom justice was really quite uncomplicated. In fact, it was rather simple. There were judges, but there were no attorneys to either prosecute someone or defend anyone. Nobody there to prove someone's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, as an attorney does today. Everything, and keep this in mind, everything depended upon the honesty of the citizens. According to Deuteronomy 19.15, on the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. Now, that's a New Testament principle as well. But under the law, what Scripture is saying is if two or three witnesses gave testimony against anyone and their testimony was found to be credible by the judges, then the accused would be found guilty and punished in accordance with the demands of the law. That's how they did it. They had judges. They had citizens. The citizens spoke, two or three spoke against someone, and their witness was credible. That person was punished. 
That's how justice was carried out in Israel in Bible times. And based on, on this judicial system, you can see how damaging the effects of lying witnesses would be upon an accused individual. He'd have no hope. An innocent person could be convicted of a crime he, he didn't do, even sentenced to death for a murder he never committed if the people lied, the witnesses lied. And, and by the way, that is precisely what happened to a, a, a very um, man in the Old Testament by the name of Naboth. Naboth was a man who, uh, in the days of King Ahab, remember Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel, this man Naboth had a, uh, a vineyard right next to the palace of Ahab. And Ahab asked him for it. He said, I, I would like that. I'll purchase it from you. And he said, no, no, you're not getting it. And so Jezebel came up with a scheme whereby false witnesses were raised up who said, claimed that Naboth had cursed the king and had blasphemed God. And these false witnesses gave their testimony and they found Naboth guilty, though he was really innocent, guilty in the sense that they, they put him to death for a crime he never committed. Now that is what scripture is speaking against. In fact, false witnesses also played a major role in the trial of the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 26. We read this at the trial of Christ. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 59. Now, the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, this man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Now, in a certain sense, what they were saying was true. Because Jesus did say that, but they were also, in another sense, lying and giving false testimony. Because when Jesus said that, he was speaking about himself and the resurrection of his body. When they used it, they were saying, we heard him speak against this temple, these buildings that he would destroy, destroy it. And so false testimonies played a role in the trial and death of our Lord. Also, the first martyr, Stephen, was accused by false witnesses of speaking against the Jewish temple and against the law of Moses. Witnesses said, we heard him say that, that the people should not follow the customs that Moses taught us. And ultimately, it led to him being stoned to death. That's found in Acts chapter 6, the end of Acts 6, as well as Acts 7. So, according to the legal system established by God in Israel, witnesses in a formal court of, a court of law held literally the power of death in their tongue. Very, very important. And no wonder the ninth commandment forbids anyone from being a lying witness. It could cost someone their life. In fact, bearing false witness was such a serious crime, such a serious sin, that if a witness lied during a formal hearing and was found out, then the false witness was to receive the exact punishment that the accused would have received. In fact, you can see this for yourself in Deuteronomy chapter 19. In Deuteronomy 19, beginning at verse 15, you'll see there was no mercy. This was so serious. There was no mercy accorded to a false witness. Verse 15 says, A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. That is to say that no one could be sentenced for anything if just one person was a witness. You had to have at least two and better to even have three. But here the scripture says, starting in verse 16, if a malicious witness, that is a false witness, rises up against a man to accuse him of wrongdoing, then both the men 
who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who will be in office in those days. The judges shall investigate thoroughly. And if the witness is a false witness and he has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him just as he had intended to do to his brother. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. The rest will hear and be afraid and will never again do such an evil thing among you. Thus you shall not show pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. What this is saying is that perjury was such a significant crime that no mercy was to be shown to a false witness. The false witness was to receive the appropriate punishment designed for the alleged crime, even, folks, if it meant capital punishment, even if it meant death. That's how serious this was. That's what it means, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever he said, accuse someone of, he would bear the punishment, even if it meant death. Now, I, I hope that this background helps you in understanding the ninth commandment, what it really is. The entire legal system of God's people depended upon obedience to this commandment. The question that we're faced with now, thousands of years later, not under that judicial system, not under those civil laws, how does this commandment apply to us? How is it relevant in our lives? Because most of us would never think of lying under oath. We're too scared of the consequences, so we wouldn't even think of that. In fact, the majority of us will probably never have to take a witness stand in a court of law. So what relevancy does this ninth commandment have in our lives? Keep in mind, like all the other commandments, this one is exceedingly broad. It is a summation of an important principle. And what is that principle? In principle, this commandment addresses every kind of false report or evil speech directed against someone else, not simply those while given under oath. This is not limited to courtroom proceedings. The ninth commandment is God's way of confronting us with the way we talk about other people. Are you squirming yet? Because this is very convicting. Though it certainly involves the sin of lying, as we said before, the heart of this commandment is not really about lying. The heart of this commandment is the prohibition against, watch this, damaging someone's reputation by the way we talk about them. Do you get that? It's really about damaging someone's reputation by the way we speak about them. One Bible teacher confirmed the spirit of this commandment with these words. He said, this commandment tackles us in the ebb and flow of life at home, in the community, and at church. It's here that we come face to face with our proneness to engage in false judgments and unfair criticism, to use flattery, to join the harmful whisperer society that trades in juicy rumors. You and I are guilty of violating the ninth commandment every time we speak against someone, regardless of whether we're speaking under oath or not. And in an even broader sense, this commandment does address the all-encompassing issues of integrity and truthfulness, but not only in all areas of life, certainly, but especially in dealing with people and their reputation. So this is a very significant commandment. It's probably the least known of all the commandments, but probably one in which we are guilty of violating perhaps more than the others. It is a convicting commandment. You know why? Because it deals with something we all struggle with, And that is the sins of the tongue, the way we speak. James tells us in his little New Testament letter in chapter 3 that no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil 
It's full of deadly poison because out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. Whatever is in your heart eventually comes out the old pipes and, uh, and we say it. But regardless of how painful what we're going to study is, regardless of how the Lord confronts us and convicts us by the truth, we need to hear it. We need to hear what God's word says. We need to be reproved by his word. We need to repent of our sin. Then we need to make the necessary changes because some of us have, have spoken ill of others for so long. It's such a way of life that we will have to make an effort to do what's right in pleasing the Lord. Now, just as we've found it helpful to ask questions in each of the other commandments, so this morning we want to ask two questions to help us understand the ninth commandment. Question number one, in what ways are we guilty of speaking against others? I think that's, that's the obvious question. In what ways are we guilty of speaking against others? Well, right at the start of getting into the text, it's important to understand that the ninth commandment, understand this, is a prohibition against destroying or damaging someone's reputation. So if you're thinking just about lying, you, you missed it. It's, it's sort of that, but it's not exactly. The heart of it is destroying someone's reputation. We are not to tear down anyone's reputation, not to damage it in any way. To bear false witness against a neighbor in a court of law was to diminish that individual standing in the community. It was to lie with the intent of bringing harm to that person's good name. That's the spirit of this. So I, I just want you to be clear on this. It's not limited to a court of law. It deals with the wider principle of attacking and defaming someone's character by speaking falsely against them in any context of life. And as you'll see, not just falsely, but negatively. And we can do this in a number of ways. I want to look at two of those ways because these are the more popular and more obvious ways that we violate this commandment. But before we do that, I really want you to understand the depth and the gravity of this. This is, a, this is most serious. John chapter 8, verse 44, is an important verse in the New Testament. There are people who were opposing Christ and they were challenging him and charging him with things. And Jesus just came out and explained why they didn't understand his word, why they, why they couldn't get a handle on it, why they didn't know who he was and why they kept debating with him. And finally, he said, let me explain to you. You are of your father, the devil. Pretty strong words. Talk about not being politically correct. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. What he's saying is the reason you oppose me is you're just like your father. Spiritually, you're just like Satan. And explain, what's Satan like? He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. There's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, it's interesting that Jesus linked the devil's murders with lying. He said that Satan was both a murderer and a liar. Why? Why did he link that together? Because murder and lying go hand in hand. They, they are essentially the same thing. Let me explain. The moral evil of murder is really no different from the moral evil of lying because both have the goal of destroying someone. When you murder, you destroy someone's physical life. You take their life from them. When you lie... You assassinate their character. You take their good name from them. Essentially, it's the same. Now, listen very closely. In light of that, the sin of bearing false witness against someone is a satanic sin. It is devilish. You are never more like Satan than when you bring a false accusation and speak evil of other people. It's being overly critical. 
being negative. See, just like the devil, we have the, the same murderous intent in our hearts. Revelation 12 refers to Satan as the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He, he stands before God and accuses us. Night and day, the Bible says, of all charges of evil and wickedness. And whenever we falsely accuse others of sin or character flaws, we become instruments in the hands of Satan. In fact, listen to this. The New Testament writer James describes the uncontrolled tongue as having a direct pipeline to hell. He says in James 3, 6, the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue, he says, is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of life. And watch this, and is set on fire by hell. Hell itself sets the tongue on fire. That is to say that, that the tongue can be fueled by hell's destructive powers, uncontrolled tongue. So speaking evil of someone is grave, it's, it's serious, it's a devilish sin that needs to be exposed, needs to be repented of. Therefore, it's important to, to know how do we actually speak against others. Two ways. Number one, and there are others, but I, I'm just going to deal with two of these. The most obvious way that we speak against others is by slander, by slandering someone. What does slander mean? It's simple. It means to intentionally lie about someone's character or conduct. It's an intentional lie. It's what bearing false witness was literally, only this applies to all of life. It was the Puritan Thomas Watson who wrote, the scorpion carries the poison in his tail, the slanderer carries it in his tongue. And it's because of the severe damage that can be done to to one's reputation by a slanderous tongue that God says he hates it. Now, God hates all sin, but there are certain sins that the Bible highlights as being an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 6 tells us, it's one of those passages that says, six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him. It's just a Hebrew way of emphasizing the seriousness of the sin. And one of the things that God says is an abomination to him is a false witness who utters lies. And you know what? No one is immune from slander no matter how good your reputation is. No one, because Satan's goal is to destroy your good name, and he uses slanderers to do that. The godly apostle Paul experienced slander throughout his his whole ministry. If you were with us in the study of 2 Corinthians, you you can remember that the false teachers at Corinth slandered Paul. They just hammered him uh, with all kinds of charges and accusations. They, They claimed he was immoral. They said he was a liar, said he's a false apostle, said he was a crook, said he was a deceiver, and on and on. Paul has to defend himself before this church because some of them believe that. In Romans 3, 8, Paul said that some even slandered him by misrepresenting his teaching. Here it was in his character, his teaching. He wrote, and why not say, as we are slanderously reported, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Paul said, some slander us by teaching that we actually encourage people to do evil so that good would come. It's interesting, Paul added, their condemnation is just. Condemnation means damnation. Paul said it's just. They, they deserve whatever they get. That's another way, folks, of saying it's devilish. Damned for doing this. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul listed many of the behaviors that the law was made for. Paul said the law was made for the profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and, listen carefully, liars and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. He lists parent killers, 
homosexuals, perjurers, and liars all together. Now that tells me that when I was in the first grade and told that lie about my mother's friend, I was in the same league with someone who had murdered their mother. I needed forgiveness in a really big way, and I'm glad that I have it, both from my mother, which is important, of course, and also from the Lord Jesus, which is essential for every one of us. We need to start closing down the class for today. We're nearly out of time. I'm glad you could join us. Our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in Clearwater some Sunday, we hope you can come worship with us. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Now that's midway between US 19 and the beaches. You can visit us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. If the Lord has blessed you through these classes, please ask Him if He would have you help keep them on the air. You can learn more about that by clicking the Support Us link on our homepage. You can listen to this entire three-part message in one session by ordering a CD or a cassette. To do so, just give us a call at 727-239-0306. What's the difference between slander and gossip? And why does it matter? Let's consider that on the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. There's a lot going on right now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.